Well, hello everyone, and I don't know how you are this morning, but I, I hope that you are well this morning. And our president said that these next couple of weeks especially are going to be a turbulent time. I've been waking up in the morning and I've been checking all these numbers and seeing all the people who have recovered from it, and I am very happy about that and grateful for that. And then I see the other column where it's reporting all of the, the live casualties as they are reported. And it just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. And it gives you a sick feeling in your stomach. And for one reason or another, and it's so unfortunate, is that so often as human beings, when we find ourselves in a perilous situation, where we feel a danger or we feel unsafe in the world, it's almost inherently in our nature to just begin assigning blame on other people. I've read a lot of articles where a lot of people cast blame on political parties. As this had started, I was reading a lot of articles saying, well, it's the Democrats' fault because all of this coronavirus stuff is just a hoax in order to prevent Trump from being reelected. I've read other articles and it says, well, it's the Republicans' fault, it's Trump's fault, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's his fault, it's her fault. A lot of people blame political parties, but I'm also seeing a lot of articles where a lot of people are even blaming entire ethnicities for this. A lot of people are saying, well, it's the fault of the Chinese people. And you just read about all of these heartbreaking hate crimes of entire Chinese families being held up at knife point who have a two-year-old child who is attacked with, with a knife in Texas or, or in New York, all of these senseless killings just because a person was, was Chinese, maybe even Japanese. And I mean, they just looked Asian. And so they became a scapegoat for, for all of this hurt and all of this ache in the world. And I just find that so tragic. And yet inevitably in these situations, something else which, which, which inescapably comes is a lot of people say, well, it's God's fault. And I just find it such a tragedy when we do this as people. When we waste so much time and energy and the gift of life within us blaming, looking for a scapegoat when we could be using so much of that energy and time and that gift of life and pulling together as fellow human beings and combating the spread of this virus as much as we can and acknowledging the peril that we are in and lifting up the full armor of God. There are things that are more important than, than always making sure my political party always has to be right at all costs, and their political party must always come off looking wrong at all costs. Well, in any case, in our quest to have an explanation for everything, there's a theologian whose name is N.T. Wright, who is in England, who last week he had written something in Time magazine as a voice of, of the church in this time. And, and I find what he said so appropriate that rationalists want explanations. Romantics want to be given a sigh of relief. But perhaps what we need more than either of those is to recover the biblical tradition of lament. Lament is what happens when people ask why and they don't get an answer. It's where we get to when we move beyond our self-centered worry about our sins and failings 
and we look more broadly at the suffering of the world. And the very epicenter of lament, as we experience it in the Word of God, comes to us in the book of Psalm. And so I would like to go to the book of Psalm this morning. And more than anything, what I want to, to happen in my life as well as in yours is for us to adopt the spirit of what we find in so many of these psalms in these turbulent times. They are mentally and spiritually stepping out of all of the chaos that is endangering them. And they are bowing themselves down low before the living God, crying out to Him, squeezing out every last drop of all of the, the darkness, all of the gloom, all of the ache, and all of the helplessness. And the incredible thing that we find is that what happens in this very beautiful process is that, yes, even though the world still remains a very scary and a very ominous place, we see the children of God reminded. And then we see them become emboldened and empowered to live for the living God once more. And usually at the end of so many of these songs of lament that we find, is that we see them emerging afterwards with a joy and a peace and a confidence in the power of God that has now been intensely rekindled. Even, yes, even as the storm continues to wage and to rage outside. And so I want to spend just a few moments this morning emphasizing a few phrases and words that we find here in Psalm 46. And the very first of these words is the word refuge. Psalm 46 begins by saying, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Now that word refuge in the original Hebrew language, obviously it means shelter, but it can also mean hope. It can also mean trust. But predominantly what this is, is the imagery of a place that is absolutely positively safe where we can go and where we can escape to. Now what we've seen in these last couple of weeks in the text is one personality in scripture after another who is, who is entertaining worst case scenarios where, where even if people's worst nightmare were to become true, God is still our strength. As Habakkuk has said, even if our economy completely fails, and yet, God is still our strength. We saw it last week in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar, even if our God does not deliver us, and even if you throw us into that fiery furnace, we are still eternal beings who, who bow down before an eternal God. And once again, this is what we find in the book of Psalms. As it continues in verses 2 and 3, the psalmist also does a hypothetical of even if the worst case scenario were to happen, where it says in verse 2 that therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And so what we find is that God is our refuge. Now, I don't know if you've ever been caught outside as a dangerous storm unfolded, whether a thunderstorm or as I experienced a year ago after dropping a man off at the airport. It was about three o'clock in the morning and, and I drive right into the eye of a snowstorm. 
And of course, eight miles before I get to the house, what happens? My lights fail in my car. And I find myself swerving around on the highway, 3.30 in the morning, pitch black during a snowstorm. And yet somehow I make it back home. And I mean, as the garage door is going down and I go upstairs and, and I find myself in a warm house and I slide under the covers of an even warmer bed, the security and the safety that that brought me was just, oh, now I am safe. And I mean, that is what God is saying to us. Trust in me and I will be your very refuge. I am your strength, God says. I am a fortress around you where you can know that you are absolutely, positively, spiritually safe. And as we read in the book of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, so applies here as well in Psalm 46, that when God is our fortress and when God is our strength, this is a palace that has been founded on the foundation of the solid rock. Or yes, even though it's true that the storms of life will, will rage against this house. Even though it's true that the winds will hiss and slam against this house. This house is safe and secure. And that is true no matter what this world is going to throw at us. Whether it's cancer or it's widowhood. Whether it is pink slips or it's loneliness. Or even if it is COVID-19. What God is saying to us in this psalm is that, let me be your life. Let me be your confidence. And then our very next phrase comes to us in the 10th verse. And that phrase is, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the original definition of this in the ancient Hebrew is just so beautiful. Where what it literally means is sink back. It means relax. It means breathe. And it means forsake. And, and in this case, what we need to forsake is our hopelessness. In other words, stop moving. Stop feeling like we have to react to, to everything in the heat of the moment. Stop tweeting. Stop ranting on Facebook. Stop freaking out about everything that is happening at once. Stop speculating and stop scapegoating. And go somewhere where you can be completely silent. Where you can be utterly still. And where you can be totally alone with your Creator. And so he says, be still. But then what comes after this in this song is... Once we are still, it says, and know. And that word know is very significant, isn't it? Because this is not us crossing our fingers and thinking that perhaps maybe he might just be God and, and that maybe he might just be reliable enough to place our trust and our confidence in him. No, but when we know, what this word means is, is that we are well aware that this is absolutely a fact. And that this is reality. And as we cry out to God, 
we're given instruction in the book of First John chapter 5, and what, what John says is, is a reasoning behind his epistle. He says in verse 13 of First John 5 that, that I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Notice this part especially. So that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards God, that, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so be still and then and know. And then what comes after this is and know that, that I am God. And I especially want to highlight those first two words in that phrase, the I am part. Because what, what do we know about I am in Scripture? It's Moses coming before God and saying, well... What, I mean, what do I even call you? I don't even know what to call you. And, and what God says is, if Pharaoh wants to know who God is, let him know that I am God, right? Be still and know that I am God. And then lastly, what, what our last phrase is in Psalm 46 this morning is just two more words, and that is with us. And it's a sentiment that appears three times in this one psalm. Where in verse 5, what he says is that I am in the midst of my children. And then in verse 7, it says that the Lord of hosts is with us. And again, at the very end of the psalm in verse 11, it says that once again, the Lord of hosts is with us. Now, as we find in Scripture, whenever something is being repeated, like be strong and courageous or, or do not worry, this is not God being redundant just for the sake of being redundant. But he says that, it says that the Lord of hosts is with us. Now that word host is a military term, meaning that it is an army of soldiers who are engaging in warfare together. And, and, and I mean, this is where we are right now. The Lord of hosts is with us, brothers and sisters. And it's not a meaning of this word per se in a technical sense, but, but also at least what we hear in that word host a lot of times too that is very helpful is that a host is someone who brings in outsiders and strangers inside their, their own house and who tells them to make a home there. Over and over and over again, God is saying, I am with you. I am with you. I am in your midst. And I mean, there is just such a power when we acknowledge something out loud over and over and over and over again. Until now, it, it makes its way off of the sacred pages. And it makes its way into our bones. And it burns inside our hearts and our souls. And now it is our conviction. It's not just black words on a page anymore. And we see the outcome when, when anybody in Scripture was still and they, and they knew that he was God. As we find the apostles terrified, absolutely petrified during a sea storm. And, and in their own words, they are saying, we are about to drown. Yet what is Jesus doing when, as all of this hysteria is going on, we marvel at this? Where, of all things, Jesus is deeply in sleep during a sea storm. And Jesus opens up one eye and he goes out in there 
and he looks a sea storm right in the eye as all of these these winds and waves are just howling and and throwing that boat around all over the place like a rag doll. And with just two or three calm words, Jesus silences that storm just like that. You see, Jesus was still, and he knew that, that he was God. And I really think, to the Apostle Peter's credit, he learned from Jesus on that day. Because a little bit later on, we find, now we find Peter in jail, and he is on death row, it appears. And yet, as the angel appears in that jail cell, we marvel at this too, because what do we find Simon Peter doing? We find him at such a state of peace and confidence and joy in the presence of God that he is asleep. He is sleeping like a baby as he faces a death sentence and the chopping block. See, this is what happens when we are absolutely still. And we know in our heart of hearts that He is God. The only thing that I want to invite us to in the remainder of this morning and in the days and in the weeks and in the months to come through this very scary, turbulent time is set aside a time on a daily basis where you can clear your mind of everything that is giving you anxiety in the news and sit there until the only thought on your mind now becomes imagining Jesus in that boat during a sea storm but but he is at such a state of peace in his confidence and in his reliance upon the Father that he is asleep in that boat and especially as he silences that storm I, I firmly believe that we need to stay informed of what is going on in the news. And yet what so easily happens in these moments is that we spend so much time digesting new, you know, hour after hour after hour after hour of the news that there is also a time where we need to completely tune out the news and to tune out all of these headlines as they pop up every minute of every day in the days ahead. And we need to instead tune into that sacred, silent stillness. Be still and know that, that I am a fortress. Be still and know that, that I am your very refuge and your strength. Be still and know that I am God.